Hi, I'm Mandy. Thanks so much for joining us today on the podcast for Harrisonburg Nazarene Church. Please subscribe for updates and new episodes to the podcast. Also, you can now search for our podcast on Spotify. Join us each Sunday at 1030 a.m. on Facebook Live. Be sure to like or follow our page while you're there. Hey, it is Memorial Day weekend, and so we want to take time today to remember, to honor, to celebrate. And so we don't take our freedom lightly. And specifically today, I want to honor and celebrate uh, those that have gone before. And so today, if you uh, have a loved one, someone in your family who has passed away, but they served in the military in one of the four branches of the military or as a first responder, they're no longer with us here. Uh, But if they served in any way, would you stand, you, uh, your family, just to, to represent today, someone in your family, a loved one that is no longer here, but that served in this way. Today, we want to honor, we want to celebrate, we want to remember, and before we applaud, I want to pray. I want to give thanks for a life. Each person standing, each family standing represents a life. Uh, No longer here today, but we choose to remember and we give thanks. So Father, on this weekend, we are reminded that our freedom wasn't free. We're reminded, Lord, uh, that men and women have served faithfully, (laughs) faithfully, so that we have the ability to worship here today. And we give thanks for that. And we give thanks for these families. They stand today and represent someone who is not around the table, someone who is not there presently with them today. But Lord, we give thanks and we remember the life of service, of commitment, of sacrifice that was given. We thank you, Lord. And uh, we just take this opportunity to come alongside these and pay our honor and respect. We love you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Church, could you help me honor and appreciate these loved ones and the lives that were given. Thank you. Well, thank you. Well, we're going to transition uh, this morning into the message, and as we do that, uh, we have a, a prop coming up on the stage here that's going to make a lot of sense to you in a minute, but I, I, I want to celebrate some more. I know we clap a lot here, and if you don't like that, get over it, you know? I don't know. I'm not mean, but just get over that part, you know? Seriously, I hope you feel welcome, but we just like to celebrate, and there's two things this morning as we journey into the message that I want to celebrate. First of all, last weekend in Elkton, just right down the road here from uh, Harrisonburg, we have just felt God put it on our hearts to minister there in that community, and he's opened several doors over the last year or two and through some incredible leadership. And so uh, last weekend, that room uh, is the community center there in Elkton, and it was filled. It was filled. You can see in the next picture, over 250 people that came that were invited, specifically people that needed food. We gave 100 food boxes away through Hope Distributed to people that needed food. That's awesome. And together, those 250 people, they heard the gospel was presented. They were given, uh, the businesses in the community came together and gave uh, giveaways and prizes. And we just loved on the community of Elkton. And so today, I'm just proud to celebrate a great group of people that showed up last week to make a difference in the life of our community. And if you're a part of this church, you're a part of that. (laughs) That was us. That was the hands and feet of Jesus through our church there in Elkton. Next, I have a picture of what happened here last Sunday. That's just a few. We had 24 people that were baptized last Sunday night out here on the property. If you weren't here, man, you missed it. It was an incredible evening of celebration, of lives impacted. I cannot talk about baptism without crying. Uh, But these are the faces of just some of of the lives that have been changed, been a new life in Christ that were found. And so I get emotional, but really I give thanks today. I give thanks to God. 
And if you're a part of this church, you're a part of that. You're a part of new life in Christ happening. It was a beautiful night to be there. And so I just want to celebrate today. I want to celebrate today. Good news. Good news. We began our series last week called The Gospel. And do you know that's what the gospel means? It is good news. And I, maybe you don't need any good news. Maybe you've got enough in your life. But I think most of us here uh, together today would say, man, I, I need some good news every now and then. I've got plenty of bad news. I've got plenty of tough news. I've got hard things happening. And I need good news. And I'm just here to tell you that that's what we believe the gospel of Jesus Christ is. It is good news. And so we began our series last week together. And uh, quickly, you may say, well, what does that mean, gospel? That's a word that you might hear in church often. Uh, maybe it's a word that's confusing to you. And so we came together, and last week we talked about what our definition of gospel is. This is what we're talking about when we say gospel. The gospel is the good news message that God sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for our sins. This is good news. He was raised to life, victorious over the power of death, and in choosing to live for him, we can be free from the power of sin, we can experience abundant life today, eternal life in heaven. I want you to imagine this scene, maybe this has happened to you before, I want you to imagine you're getting in the car, you're going for a ride somewhere. Now most of you, this is already painful because you're not driving. For some of you, that's a note, if I'm not driving, I'm not going, but imagine for a minute that you're not driving. So you get in the car, somebody's driving, and you're off to a destination, and you ask the driver, do you know where we're going? No, I'll figure it out as we go. You know, can, can you imagine, especially in this day of technology and GPS, where you don't know how to get there? No, but we'll figure it out as we go. Now, some of you have done that before, but for most of us, that would make us very uncomfortable. <laughs> very uncomfortable. And we live in a world today where a lot of us are kind of living that way. We don't really have clear direction for our life. We don't really have a clear guide. We're just kind of figuring it out as we go. And last week, we began this series called The Pure Gospel, and I began to talk about why I believe the gospel is critical because I believe for you and for me, it is our path. It is our guide. It is what leads us moving forward into the future. And so today, I hope you'll lean in as we journey into the book of Romans chapter 5. If you have your copy of Scripture uh, today, if you would turn there to Romans chapter 5. If you have uh, the YouVersion Bible app, we have an event set up there under our church name that has uh, the Scriptures for today and some notes you can look at for later. Uh, but Romans chapter 5 is where we're going to be. And just a few weeks ago, at the end of April, April 28th, uh, I preached on Romans 5, 1 through 5 in our More Than Me series. And if you weren't here that day, I, I really encourage you to go back and listen, not because you need to hear me talk more, but because I, I think this is some powerful stuff for us. And we're not going to spend a lot of time on that, but Romans 5 begins with this, this idea of hope, that hope is possible. Good news, hope is possible because of the person of Jesus Christ. And so we're going to pick up reading in verse 6 of Romans chapter 5. This is the Apostle Paul. He's writing to the church in Rome, and he's writing to encourage them, he's writing to challenge them, and he's really writing today to present the gospel. That's what we're about to read. So join with me, it's on the screen behind me if you don't have it there in front of you, but this is the gospel for us. Romans 5, starting with verse 6, says this, you see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person, 
For a good person, someone might possibly dare to die, but God demonstrates his love for us in this. While we were still sinners, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since we have now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? Verse 10, for if while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? Not only is this so, but we also boast in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. We began last week in this series talking about the pure gospel. What is the pure gospel about? And and over these three weeks, last week and and next week, we're going to really unpack what I believe is essential to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And last week we began by talking about the life of Jesus. The life of Jesus is critical to the gospel uh, for two reasons. First of all, Jesus is our example. He's our example of who God is. And what if you want to know what does God look like, man, look at Jesus. Look at the life of Jesus. How does God love? Look at, look at how Jesus loved. How does God forgive? Look at how Jesus forgave. He is the example, but not just the example of who God was. Jesus is the example of who we are to be. That's why his life is so critical. Also, we said the life of Jesus is critical because Jesus was the plan. He was the plan of God because long before Jesus showed up, we read in the Bible that sin entered into the world. And the moment sin entered into the world, you and I had a big problem. A problem we couldn't solve on our own. It's sin. And Jesus was the plan of God. From the beginning, from that moment on, Jesus became the redemption plan of God for you and for me. And so the life of Jesus is critical. And today, today we're going to focus not just on the life of Jesus, but now the death of Jesus. The death of Jesus. That's what Romans chapter 5 helps us do in understanding the gospel. And looking back on this passage, there's a lot of deep stuff here. There's some deep theological terms, and some of you are here today, and you're not churchy people. You're not that familiar with the church, or certainly not these deep theological, and that's okay, man. We are so glad that you came today. Some of you are here, and You've read the Bible so many times, and these terms are important, but maybe they've become kind of old and stale, and I'm so glad you're here, and every other person in between, wherever you find yourself. This is deep stuff. So I'm going to attempt uh, to make this as simple as I can for us today, and to do that, I I brought some visuals for us to help us understand what Romans chapter 5 is saying. Uh, And so to do that, uh, I've got kind of two statements here on each side of the stage that I'm going to use to help us understand what Paul is saying about the gospel, what he is saying about the gospel. And so to begin, I want us to understand who we were. That's what Paul is trying to tell us. As we start reading in verse 6 of Romans chapter 5, he's trying to tell us who we were, and for some of us in the room, who we still are. Look, just term by term, I want you to understand first what Paul says in verse 6, Romans 5 verse 6, is that we were ungodly. We were ungodly. And Quite literally, we were not like God. God was holy and perfect and good and loving and sinless, and we were not that, man. We were ungodly. We were so far from him. We were, the, the, the divide between who we were and who God was was so wide, man. You couldn't even, and that's who we were. We were ungodly. That's what it said, Romans 5, 6. But then Paul goes on to say not just that we were ungodly, but we were powerless. 
We were powerless. That It's not just that we were not like God. It's not just that we were so far from him. It's not just that he is so holy and so good, and we are not, but there was nothing that we could do about it. We were powerless. That in our own strength, there was nothing we could do to bridge that gap. I'm going to admit to you that I like to fix things. Now, I'm not handy at all, but I like to, I like to solve problems. Like One of the greatest challenges for me in marriage was that I had to learn as a husband that Lauren would come and talk to me. I just wanted to fix everything. And I thought that's what she wanted me to do. Husbands, you've never done this, right? Uh, don't look at your spouse. But like, so she's telling me about her day, and she's telling me about these things, and I'm thinking, like, what does she want me to do about this? She wants me to go, I'm going to go call that coworker right now. I'm going to tell them what, the, no, 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 no. I just want you to listen, Adrian. I just want you to listen. Because sometimes we get so busy wanting to fix things in, in our, our spiritual nature, our problem is that we want to fix it. Well, I'm far from God, so I'm going to, I'm going to get close to him. I'm going to do what I, I'm going to, I got to make a plan here. I got to action steps. I got to do something. But the Bible says that you were powerless. You were powerless. There's nothing that you could do on your own to bridge the gap between you and God. Next, Paul says this, the passage we just read, that we were sinners. That's a biblical term, but sin, that there was sin separating us from God, that we had disobeyed God's desire, his covenant for us. We had done wrong things. Sin, broken our relationship with him. Not just acts of sin, but there's a, a nature of sin within us. That's bent towards self. That's bent towards me, me, me. And because of that, man, we were sinners. That's who we were. We'd rebelled against God. Not just that we were sinners, but look, look at what it says in verse 8. It says, while we were still sinners. While we were still sinners. And to me, that means we were guilty. This is not, oh, I sinned once. This is not like, I, I was a sinner, and now I'm working on it, and I'm getting better. No, no, no. The gospel says that we were still sinners. We were guilty. We, if there was a trial and we were there, the verdict would have been guilty as charged. That's who we were. We were guilty in our sin. That's what it says in Romans 5, verse 8. Finally, it says this in verse 10, that we were enemies. We were enemies of God. We are enemies of God. All the time, I hear some of us, in good we say, I want God to bless my life. I want God to fill my life. I want God to, why isn't God speaking to me? And the problem is, is that without realizing it, without recognizing it, some of us are living in opposition to God. The way that we are living is opposing the way of God. And so when we do that, what we're essentially saying is that we are enemies of God. We are living in opposition to the way that he wants us to live, to the plan that he has for our life. And Paul is saying we were enemies of God. We were living a life that God could not bless. God doesn't ignore us. He's rich in mercy. He's always seeking us out. That's not what I'm saying today, but I'm just simply saying that we were living a life that opposed the way of God. We were enemies. That's who we were. And man, there's not a lot of hope in those statements, is there? There's not a lot of hope in the ungodly, powerless, sinner, guilty enemy. That, that doesn't feel very good today. But the beauty is that's who we were, but now I want you to hear who God is is because we're over here man and i wish we had a bigger stage so i could show you we were way over here right right like, like but god is over here and i want you to understand who god is and there's a lot that i could say about who god is yeah. we don't have enough time this morning but i just want to focus on two attributes that paul tells us in romans 5 that are so critical for us in understanding who god is the first is understanding that god is just 
that God is just. Romans 5.9, it reminds us of that, that we serve a God who is just. The truth is for you and for me, I, well, I'll speak for me. I think you agree. We love justice. <laughs> we love justice, right? Like I'm watching a kid's movie with my kids. I got four kids. I'm watching and I, I'm rooting for the bad guy to get caught. I know he's going to. It's a kid's movie, right? right? But I'm, I'm rooting, and, and the moment he gets caught, I'm like, yes, the bad guy is brought down. Destruction, right? We love justice. Some of you, you're into your crime show, CSI, I don't even know what all that means, right? right? But you love it, and why do you, you love when the bad guy gets caught, what he has coming for him? We love justice. Or when you're behind the wheel of your car, and that person cuts you off, Jesus help me, right? In that moment, because you know what the first thought in my head is not, may the Lord bless you and keep you, may he, that's not my thought in that moment. You know what I think in that moment? I hope they get a flat tire. Justice! Just being honest. We love justice. I, I'm raising four kids. Do you know what my kids care about? Justice. That's not fair, Dad. That's, he got more than me. She got more. I think, and I'm, I'm a middle child, so I understand this a little bit. If you have younger siblings, I think you actually sense that you have this call from God to ensure that your younger siblings have it just as hard as you did. Why? Because it has to be fair. <laughs> That's who we are. We love justice, except when we've done wrong. We want justice for everyone else, but not for us, right? And so when we talk about God being a just God, that's, that's not always the most exciting thing we want to talk about. Because when we talk about a God of justice, we're not just talking about a God of justice for everyone else. Oh God, get that. Oh God, you show them. Oh, you got. No, no, no. We're talking about a God who's just for us. And the problem is, remember who we were and what we deserved. And God is a, a just God. In fact, in verse 9, there's this kind of deep theological term that you'll read throughout the New Testament. And Paul writes about it often. He speaks of God's wrath. That's not a term we like to hear. That's not, it doesn't get a lot of amens. That's not a, ooh, preach it, brother. But that's a term that we often read about, and we have to unpack that. We can't ignore that God is a God of justice, that God hates sin. He, he is holy and perfect and good, and he, he can't tolerate sin in his presence. And, and so justice has to be served because we're way over here, and he's way over there. And so there has to be a price paid to bring reconciliation so that the two can come together. And he is a God who is just. <laughs> That's what Paul would say later in, in Romans. He would talk about the wages of sin. That sin, the wages, the payment for sin is, is death. And God is just. And if that's all we knew of him, if that's where we stopped this morning, then we would be a hopeless people. Because we've already talked about who we were, man, and that wasn't very impressive, was it? And now we talk about who God is, and we say, well, he's just, and then, well, well okay, what, what can I do? But the good news for us is it's not, he's not just a God who is just, he is a God who is loving. He is both things. He's both things. He's not just a God who is just, He's a God who is loving. Look at what it says, Romans 5, 8. God demonstrates his love for us in this. While we were still sinners, we were guilty, and Christ died for us. We were guilty. We were enemies of the cross, and he died for us anyway. The beauty 
of a God of justice is he's a God who is loving. And, and, and on our own, we're doomed. On our own, the gap is too wide. The, the chasm is too far. There is nothing I could do, and I stand before the judge condemned, guilty. <laughs> he's a just judge. But the beauty of our God, the beauty of who our God is, is that he's loving. He's loving. He demonstrates his love for us in this, that Christ died for us. Literally what he did, the judge, the judge who is justice, he paid the penalty for us. Do you see that? That, that he's just, there, there was a penalty. There was a price. Listen, your sin, my sin cost something. Do you understand that? This is not just a, oh, who cares? Oh, no, no, our sin. There's a cost for that. There's a price for that. It matters. And what God says is, but I love you so much. I'm paying your debt. I'm paying your debt. And so he sent Jesus to take our place. That the cross is not just a symbol. It's not just something we sing about. It's not just an Easter Sunday. Oh, look at the cross. No, no, no. For us, it shows us that Jesus came to pay the price because of who we were. There was no hope, but because of who God is. It's incredible hope. He's a God that is so loving. I love the way Billy Graham says it. He says, his love is willing to meet the demands of his justice. <laughs> he paid the price. We owed it. We deserved it. He paid it. It's the beauty of a God of, of justice and love, a God of truth and grace. This is who our God is. So because of that, this is the gospel, right? We understand who we were and who God is, and because of that, now we can understand who we are. Now, today, who we can be. It's not just that, the past, but because of who God is, this is who we are today. The first is this deep biblical term, justified. Now, that's a big word. But that's what Paul says we are in verse 9, that we have been justified. And if you look at that word real simply, I have a really simple mind, okay? The beginning of that word is justice. Justified literally means that justice has been made. Justice has been made. Now, now I didn't pay for that. I didn't, just, I didn't, there was nothing I did. No, no, no. Because of what Christ did for me, I'm not condemned. Justice has been served. We were guilty, but now we are not condemned. Why? Because of who God is. Because of the cross. Because of Jesus' death. I am justified. Not just that. Paul says that I'm saved. I'm saved. I grew up in the church. I'd hear people say, I've been saved for 40 years. What does that mean? Saved from what? That's what Paul's saying. I've been saved from punishment. From the wrath that I deserved. The sin that would have put me in the grave. That's what I deserve, but I've been saved from that. I love this. Jesus died so you could choose not to. <laughs> he chose death so that you could choose life. That's what it means that we've been saved. That's what Paul says. I've been saved because of who God is, because of what Jesus did for me. Finally, this other rich word I want you to see. I want you to understand that we have been reconciled. We have been reconciled. You are way over here, man. You are way over here. And there's nothing, you are powerless. There was nothing you could do. But because of Jesus, because of the cross, you have been reconciled to God. You came here today. Someone, you came in here and you felt like so far from God. You, you felt like an enemy. You felt like, like God doesn't love you and he doesn't care for you. But listen, 
long before you were ever here. He paid the price on the cross so that you could be reconciled. You don't have to be far from him today. You don't have to stand off in the corner ashamed in your sin. No, no, no. He has reconciled you. He has brought you near to the heart of God. That's who we are. We are justified. We are saved. We are reconciled. And it's because of Jesus, his death on the cross, his payment for our sin. So my question for you today is this. What is your response to the cross of Christ? What is your response to this cross? You can't have the gospel without the cross. Billy Graham tells this story that several years ago he got to be the guest of honor at the United Nations and, and he came and got a tour around the building and a particular spot in the tour they stopped to show them the prayer chapel there at the United Nations and he entered into the room beautifully decorated, dimly lit and as he looked around the room it didn't take Billy Graham long to realize there was one thing missing from this prayer room, the cross. You see, all the religions of the world, all the religion that we can muster can do a lot of good, but without the cross, there is no power. But some of us, that's what we try to do. We try to live religion without a cross. We try to take the parts of the gospel that we like or the parts that we can stomach, and we love a God that's loving, but we, the God of justice, we, don't, we, we like to turn the page quite quickly at that because we don't like to think about what our sin cost Jesus. We don't like to think about uh, how broken and ashamed and, and, and powerless we were. We don't like to think about that. And so what we do is we just, we kind of manufacture a gospel that fits our needs and what we like. But, but that is not the gospel we proclaim. We proclaim a gospel of truth and grace. And today, as you look on the cross, you look on the cross and have to understand the price that was paid for your sin because of love. Because of love, you've been justified. You've been saved. You have been reconciled to God. And there's truth in that today. There's power in that today. There's life in that today. And there is life in that for eternity. That one day, when this life is not all there is, man, that one day this life will end and I get to be forever with him. Forever. Why? Because Jesus stood in my place. He paid the price for me. This morning, how will you respond to the cross of Jesus Christ? And I ask you this morning to just close your eyes with me and just bow your heads. And um, all week I was preparing for this, and it's a holiday weekend, you know, so people that come to church on a holiday weekend must really want to be here. Um, or there's a really good lunch after, I don't know. I just knew that, but I just felt the Lord prompting me all week. And I felt like the Lord promised me there is one person, at least one person here today, who's been living, man, in sin and in brokenness and in shame, and they feel like they're an enemy to God, and they feel powerless and hopeless. And today, the gospel, the good news gospel says that you can be reconciled to God. You can be saved from sin. You can be justified. Justice has been paid. I don't know who you are, but if it's one person, man, it's so worth it for you. With your heads bowed and your eyes closed, I, I'm not going to ask you to do anything. 
except pray. If that's you, as I've been speaking, and there's just something about the gospel, maybe, maybe you've been attending church a long time. Maybe you have a relationship with Jesus, but as I've been talking this morning, there's something about the gospel. It's simple and beautiful, but life-changing this morning. Maybe there's something God is saying to you, and you just you want to reaffirm this morning. As you come back to what is the gospel all about, you just want to reaffirm your commitment to Jesus. If that's you, I'm just going to invite you to pray with me. It's simple words, but this is life-changing. This is in faith. This requires faith. Faith that I trust and believe God in faith. And so if that's you, if you desire to do that right now, I'm just going to invite you to pray this prayer with me. Jesus, I'm a sinner. A debt I could not pay. I was powerless to do anything on my own. But Jesus stood in my place. Lord, forgive me of my sin. I choose a life with you. I choose the gospel, the good news. I turn from sin, and I choose today to walk in faith with you. I want to be reconciled, Lord, justified, saved. And as I pray these words, I believe in faith. It's possible. In Jesus' name we pray. Church, would you just stand to your feet this morning? Would you stand in just this atmosphere of prayer? What I believe is a holy moment that we have together. The band's going to come and I just want to continue to pray this morning. Would you pray with me, church? Uh, Jesus, I, I just don't know the needs that are represented here together today. I just believe the cross of Jesus Christ is enough. I believe that your debt that was paid is enough. I believe that the price that was paid is enough. And so I pray today into guilt and shame that might have been represented in this room. I pray into those that might come in the room feeling condemned today, Lord. I, I just pray that they would not experience condemnation today, Lord, but reconciliation, being invited in to a relationship with you, Lord. I pray in this room right now that hope would rise up, that faith would rise up, because this is the good news. The good news that I don't have to do it on my own. I am not enough on my own, but because of Jesus, there's good news in the room today. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for the price. That was paid for me. We love you and we worship you. The band is going to begin playing now. We're going to just carve out a little bit of time together at the end of the service to just kind of gather around the cross. Not literally, don't come up on the stage. We're going to gather our hearts together today and our minds and our attitudes around the cross. When is the last time? that you stood and just remembered the price that was paid for you? When was the last time that you just stopped? You said, Jesus, thank you for the cross. This is the gospel. This is the good news. And in these holy moments that we have together, let's, let's just turn our hearts to heaven. Let's exalt, lift up the name of Jesus. That's what we're going to continue to do in these holy moments as we pray, as we worship.
as we sing. Thanks again for listening today. Email us at info at beaconofhope.org with any questions about our church. We have two gatherings every Sunday morning at 9 a.m. and 10.30 a.m. and a third gathering at 11.45 in Spanish. We are at 1871 Boyers Road in Rockingham, Virginia, and we would love for you to join us. As soon as you're finished listening today, please subscribe to this channel for updates and new episodes.